Before we jump into it, let me give you a structure that we're going to follow so you can kind of see how we're going to organize this class and where we're going to go. There are two lines of communication, both open to us, both interconnected. There is a personal line of communication. I get to speak directly to my father, a God, omnipotent power. I get to speak to him. I have a communication between he and I. And that's the personal line of communication. And we're going to go that route first. There is also a priesthood line. You can imagine the chaos that would ensue if there wasn't some type of order to what he wants all of us to know. What if we all had to reveal the plan of salvation for ourselves? How many kingdoms of glory would we have across the board, right? Well, I think there's seven. Well, I think there's five. Well, I think there's two. So luckily, there's a priesthood line of communication that says, look, I'm going to send information through a priesthood line. For example, none of you chose where you served a mission. That came through someone else's revelation. But how you served a mission, what you said on a day-to-day basis, clearly came through the personal line, right? So there's a connection, scripture, temple, patriarchal blessings. There's a lot of revelation that comes into our lives through the priesthood line. And there's a lot of revelation that comes through the personal line. And they are interconnected. One of the best ways to increase personal communication is to take advantage of priesthood tools like scriptures, temples, covenants. Without the organization of a priesthood line, we would not have all the personal revelation. So we're going to start here. Communication between Heavenly Father and myself. Now, I want to start with, again, my context tonight, my challenge tonight is to convince you that He is speaking to you far more than you realize. You receive vastly more revelation than you are aware of. And we need to start recognizing the potential that that's revelation. He is speaking to me. You are his child. He is noticing and you're worthwhile. So what are the ways God speaks? How does revelation come? We'll see if we can tackle as many of those as time will permit. We'll probably have to split this into two nights. We'll probably start this week and then end next week. So let me start in Doctrine and Covenants section 8. Now, let me point out some trends. Remember, coming out of the apostasy, where no one really knew how to receive revelation, one of the Lord's first major challenges was to teach a very young church how to receive revelation. So the early part of the Doctrine and Covenants is going to be full of helps on revelation. So notice that as you start reading Revelation or Doctrine and Covenants, This is a group of people who don't fully understand Revelation, and he needs to teach them. We're going to focus a lot on those early sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. I want to start in section 8. Now, I'm going to write references up here because I'm guessing you're going to want to remember some of these. Um, If I do not put a book, it's Doctrine and Covenants. Otherwise, I'll put a book, okay? So let's start in section 8. Verse 2, major distinction. The Lord says, I'm going to draw, I'm going to put revelation in two categories. I will speak to you two ways. 
And you need to recognize that revelation comes in both ways. So according to verse 2, how does he speak? What are the two forms of revelation? He says, I will speak to your mind, and I will speak to your heart. Now, Richard G. Scott, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, once kind of clarified the difference between those. Revelation to my mind is specific. It's usually a to-do or a to-know. This is when information is being given. You need to know this or you need to do this. That's a very specific revelation. Uh, for example, help me know whether or not I should go on a mission. That's an action. That's a to-do. That would be revelation to my mind. But a whole other form of revelation is simply God with me. I think you've, let me see if I can give you a parallel. Sometimes you need advice from your parents, right? And sometimes you just need what? To be with them. I have 10 children. The most common question I've been asked my whole life by my children. There is one question I have been asked more than all other questions combined. And that question is, where's mom? <laughs> I get that all the time. Where's mom? Now, here's the funny thing, okay? My kids will come in from the backyard. I'm in the kitchen. Hey, dad, where's mom? My 21-year-old would do this. Okay, he was 19. My 19-year-old would do this. He'd be jumping on the trampoline. He'd come in. I'm in the kitchen. He'd say, where's mom? She's upstairs. And then he'd make a sandwich. It's like, did you need her? She's up. I told you she was upstairs. And he wouldn't run up to her. He just was, why was he asking? I just need to know that she's near. And as long as I know that she's near, I'm fine. Now, tell me Heavenly Father isn't the same way. Sometimes I need to ask him a question. And sometimes I just need what? I need him to be with me. So we are now going to look at Revelation as both of those. And I'm guessing when I asked you, how often do you receive Revelation? I'm guessing most of you thought of this. I'm guessing if I were to pull you and say, how often do you receive Revelation? Constantly? Frequently, occasionally, rarely, never. I'm guessing most of you would think of revelations to your mind and wouldn't even consider these. So let's start with this list. What are some of the manifestations of revelation where there's no information, there's no to do, there's no to know, there's just help, I'm here, I'm with you. That's a fascinating list. Ready? Doctrine and Covenants 11. Let's start there. Doctrine and Covenants 11, verse 12. I love that at the end of this verse, the Lord points out, uh, hello, people, this is my spirit. As if he's just kind of knocking us on the head. Hello, people, this is my... Notice that at the end of this verse. Ready? What is, very, what is one... Very, very common manifestation that God is with you, according to verse 12. What meaning what? 
Let's read it. What does he say? Would you mind? Yep. Pause. When God is with me, what happens? I just want to be better. God is with me and he manifests himself in a desire to do good. And I'll bet you anything, not one of you have considered that as revelation. But how often have you just walked away saying, I want to be better? How many times have you felt the motivation to be better? Better than I am. Sometimes I go to church and I don't walk away with any new information. I wasn't told anything to do or to know, but guess how I walk away from church? I want to be a better person. Was he with me? Did I receive revelation that day? Yes. Read it again with the end of the verse included and notice what he's just kind of knocking us on the head saying, come on, people, this is revelation. Read it again, would you mind? This is my spirit, folks. You know he's been with you when you have felt a desire to improve and be better and change. Now, that alone, let me ask you the question, how often have you received revelation? If that were just one measuring tool, how often have you received revelation? All the time. Now, let's add to it. Let's keep going. Let's go to 1 Nephi chapter 2, verse 6. Or sorry, 16. 1 Nephi 2, 16. The command to leave Jerusalem. Nephi doesn't want to. He does not want to leave. So he prays and tell me what the Spirit does. He softens hearts. Have you ever had your heart softened? I know people who were, you know, no way will I serve him. I'm not serving a mission. I'm not going to serve a mission. Then over time, what happens? Their heart softens. How long does it take to soften a heart? Which means what? Which means what? Tell me what that means. He's with me. Softening my heart over time. But one very powerful manifestation of the Holy Ghost is he softens hearts. Think about that. Name an area of your life that it is now pretty clear when you look back that God softened my heart about that. Now, as we go, if you want to share any, I'd love to hear them. But I'm going to, I'll move on. Not only does he soften my heart, but now go to Mosiah chapter 5, verse 2. Mosiah chapter 5, verse 2. They testify that the Spirit has been with them mightily because why? How did they know the Spirit was with them? It wrought a change in their hearts. Look back over your life. Have you changed? 
Has that been a mighty change? Has he softened your heart and changed your heart? How long would it take for him to soften and change our hearts? What does that tell you? How long has he been with you? How long has he been your companion? If your heart has softened and changed. You're starting to see there's more to Revelation than I've thought. And he speaks in more ways than just an impression. Let's keep going. How else does he manifest himself to be with me? Here's some kind of fun ones. Let's, let's do this, the, the mission to the Lamanites. Okay, that was dangerous, right? They're going on a mission to the Lamanites. Their lives are in danger. What would God being with them do in that circumstance where they are in peril or danger? Turn to Alma chapter 17, verse 12. Tell me the manifestation of the Holy Ghost that comes as they're preparing to go on a very dangerous mission to the Lamanites. What is it? Courage. Now, I'm not saying all courage comes from Heavenly Father. I don't believe that. But one of the ways God manifests Himself is courage. Ever th you got an example? All right. Yeah. What are what are some examples of like when courage doesn't come from the Um uh, athletics, okay. <laughs> war. Um I think, you know, I could I could take upon myself um a courage to do something stupid. And I would probably be confident to say that didn't come from Heavenly Father. Um, but to stand up valiantly for a principle of righteousness, to go talk to someone who's bullying my child, I think those are manifestations of God giving me courage. Let me give you an example. Um, I went to Mexico City on my mission, one of the world's largest cities. I bumped into numerous Mexican gangs. <laughs> I don't know why they... I, it's probably because I'm six foot four and I'm white. I was easily noticed. And I interacted with a lot of drunk people and a lot of gangs, and it's just like they followed me and they noticed and they told stories about me. And, and we had kind of rubbed some shoulder. You know, I, could, I was in an area where I could see it was coming. A little showdown was coming. And one day we were looking for this referral that we got from the visitor center, and those are golden. You don't want to miss them. And we were walking down the street, and the numbers were going down, and all of a sudden the street stopped, but we needed the numbers to go down even further. And, and I noticed that the street came to an end, and there was a little ravine, and the street continued down in the gully. We needed to go down there, and carved into the cliff was a set of stairs. So we went down the stairs and we found the house and it was a marvelous discussion. We had a great time. 
But coming out of that house, the only way I knew how to get where we needed to go was up those stairs. And there was a Mexican gang standing, sitting on those stairs. And I didn't know anywhere else to go but up the stairs. And I had a greenie. And we did. We walked up the stairs. When I got halfway up, we were surrounded by the gang and the gang leader stood in the middle of the stairs and he was hitting his hand with a pipe. And he said, let me tell you how this is going to go down. If you give us everything that you have and your clothing, we'll let you live. And all of a sudden, a courage came over me. And I said, we are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are on his errand. We are on our way to have a discussion about God and Christ and their purposes for us. If you and your gang will come with us and hear what we have to say, we will gladly give you everything that we have, including our clothing. But if you will not come with us, then get out of my way. And he stepped aside. And I believe that God was with me. No information, no to do, just him with me in the form of courage. Joseph Smith in Richmond jail. Silence ye fiends of the infernal pit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you and command you to be still. Still, cease such talk or you and I die this instant. Revelation. Courage. Courage to stand up for truth is one of the ways God manifests himself when he's with us. There's, an, there's another one. Any thoughts? Okay, very similar one. Turn to Mosiah tw or, uh, 24. Mosiah 24, 13 through 15. Let's do two of them here. There's two manifestations, 24, 13 through 15. Now, here's the setting. Do you remember um, Alma? Well, Alma the elder was one of the priests of Noah. He's been converted by Abinadi. The rest of the council hates him. And then he runs off to be, you know, with the righteous. Amulon joins up with the Lamanites and finds them. And Amulon is beating them up. Now, this isn't a dangerous situation. This is a painful situation. This is you in pain. Now, sometimes in pain, I don't really need him to tell me something. I don't need a manifestation to my mind. I just need him. I need him to be with me in pain. So watch what he does to a group of people that are hurting. All right, anyone want to read it? Mosiah 24, 13 through 15. Tell me your name. Amelia. Amelia. Amelia, would you read 13 through 15? And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord came to them in their affliction, saying, Lift up your heads and be of good comfort. There's one. Let me write that. Comfort. Comfort in pain. No message, no to do. Just be with me in my pain and comfort me. Now keep going. Have made unto me, and I will covenant with my people and deliver them out of bondage. 
Keep going. And this will I do, that you may stand as witnesses for me hereafter, and that you may know with surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their place. Now watch the manifestation that comes after the promise. Ready? He's, this is what happens. Now it came to pass that the burdens which were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. May the Lord did strengthen them, that they could bear up their burdens with Jesus, and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. So tell me what form revelation often takes. Now think about that for a minute, would you? How often does He just give you strength to get through it? Comfort. No words. No thoughts. No burning in my bosom. Just gentle arms of peace. Things are going to be okay. How many times in your life have you felt His comfort, His strength? That's revelation. That's just as much revelation as a direct answer to a question you've been asking. Comfort and strength in painful moments is God with you. And you need to recognize that he is, He's with you. And I give you an example of my own life. I was married after my sophomore year in college. I had a child after my junior year in college. She was born the summer of my junior year, my daughter. My wife wanted nothing more than to be a stay-at-home mom. That meant my senior year in college the full burden of financial responsibility fell to me. I was a full-time student at the University of Utah, working three jobs to support my family. I had a mortgage, a wife, a daughter. I was taking, I was a biology major. I was taking classes like advanced human anatomy, where we had to know every nerve in the human body. My final, one of our, we had a final and then we had a practicum. The practicum consisted of about 50 cadavers, tables with cadavers on them. And at every, every table, there was a human body part with a ring around a nerve. We had to identify the nerve and what would happen if it were severed at the point where the ring was. That's what we had to know for the whole human body. Those were the kind of classes I was taking. I would wake up early in the morning. I was teaching seminaries, a part-time job. I'd run to school all day. And then I had two night jobs. Then I'd run home and be with my wife and my little girl. Heavy burden. And I felt overwhelmed. One day, I was in biology, and we were talking about structural biology, why each, diff- why each species has the structure that it has. Insects have cuticles, right? Have you ever swatted a fly? and it just flies off. If you were hit by that much force relative to your size, what would it do to you? It would crush you. And the fly does what? It just flies off because of its structure. It has a cuticle. And that's appropriate for flies. Can you imagine if we had a cuticle? Very much interfere with our lives. Our structure is bone. Bone is the most expensive structure in nature because bone is alive. 
And if it's alive, it can mold and change and adapt. Do you ever, do you ever ponder what orthodontists do? Do you know what they do? They move the teeth in the bones. They move teeth in bones because bone does what? It moves. But we have to keep it alive, and that's the cost. I'm sitting in this lecture hall with all that weight on my shoulders. And the, the professor says, if you were to, say, for example, break your leg and walk with all the pressure on the other leg, do you know what would happen? This bone, guess what it would do? Would thicken to carry the weight. And when he said that, I felt near tangible arms of peace wrap around me and say, you can do this. I will help you carry this burden. Comfort and strength. Revelation. God with you. Any comments? I think of one, I think of in comparison to like going to scout camp with my dad and I'd have him teach me like how to make some sort of dinner thing. He'd be very specific. He'd be like, okay, you add this, you do that, you go back and forth. But I remember this one time, the very first time I ever went into the kitchen, my mom taught me and she's very much on the other way and she has no recipe to go off of. Just add a little bit of this, add a little bit of that. And then we start talking about like my schooling and then we start talking about these other things and yet that whole experience was still making a cake. Yeah. But yet, it wasn't like a, you have to do it just like this, and then we're done. It's a, this is a process, but it's not just you finishing the cake. This is you growing as a person and developing my relationship with you. And it was mom just there. That's Heavenly Father. You are that child, and he is just with you in pain. Should we do another one? Let's go to the Doctrine and Covenants. Section 121. I really like this one. Verse 45. I know how many times I read this before. It finally dawned on me what he was saying. The manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And as soon as I saw this, I realized my whole life has been a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Tell me what now section 45 is about if you let virtue garnish your thoughts unceasingly then shall the spirit be your constant companion what happens in verse 45 if the spirit is your constant companion your confidence waxes strong why the word waxes what's the imagery here how many dips into wax does it take to make a candle and that's what God does. Being with you all those times is doing what to you? Waxing your confidence strong. One of the great manifestations of the Holy Ghost is confidence. Have you ever watched a missionary leave and then come home? What is the major difference between the one that left and the one that came home? An incredible waxing of confidence. So how much revelation was poured out during that mission? A great deal that came in the form of growing confidence. I remember being in an area and the very first thing I did is everywhere I went, I heard about this incredible Catholic father 
this Catholic priest was so wonderful. So guess what we did? We knocked on his door and we went to tell him about the rest restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I look back now and say, where in the world did, the con would that, did that 21 year old have that much confidence to walk in and say to a Catholic priest, you are an incredible person, but we have truth that you don't have. Confidence is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And one of the best ways for me to see, I love, I taught Abby when she was a sophomore. Did I have you your sophomore year? I know it was a senior, but did I have you twice? I taught Abby when she was in high school. And I love high school Abby. She was a delight. But I have stayed close to Abby for the last several years. And her confidence in the gospel. Now, I know if you were to probably ask Abby, are you a deeply spiritual person? She'd say, I don't think so. But if you ask me the difference between high school Abby and the Abby I know today, there's a great deal of gospel confidence in her. And guess where that's come from? Years and years of the Holy Ghost being with her. He manifests himself as confidence. You're starting to get a pretty decent picture here about what revelation looks like. And we haven't even addressed this side of the equation. These are simply manifestations that you are his child, he cares, and he's with you. And it comes as he's there. Any thoughts? I'm just going to share what I was, I was trying to find the, the quote I was looking for, but um, Mosiah 24, 14, one of my favorite scriptures of all time. And I remember reading and preaching my gospel, this quote from Thomas S. Monson. And it related what, to what you're talking about. It says, the Lord shapes the back to bear the burden placed upon it. Yeah. And I feel like that was something we had to explain a lot to our investigators, is that God's not going to take away your trials, but he's going to strengthen you to overcome them. To get yep. The whole point of President Nelson's talk about overcoming the world, come unto me and your burdens will be light. It's not because he takes your burdens away. It's because he strengthens your ability to carry them. That's what makes them light. And yet, when I look at my life, it's easy not to notice that, right? It's easy not to notice that I'm stronger. One more example. I deal with a lot of mental health in my family. I have a daughter who's 19 who struggles with severe depression. It forced me as a father to... I ended up teaching a class on the gospel and mental and emotional health because I needed answers. And as I prepared to teach that class, I, I reached out to everyone I knew who had mental illness and mental struggles and emotional struggles. And I began to see a common theme. And the common theme was, when I feel depressed, I don't feel the Holy Ghost. I don't feel, that the, Holy, I don't feel the Holy Ghost when I'm depressed. And I said, talk to me, tell me what that means. Tell me what that means. And what I heard them say was, when my body is broken with this depression, my receptors don't work. Okay, I can buy that. If my body's broken, my spirit's also going to be broken. So then I pushed a little bit and said, okay, you don't feel the Holy Ghost. How many times do you feel 
strength to do what you would not ordinarily do. How about even just getting out of bed? And they started to describe a great deal of these. When you are depressed, are there moments that just where you feel a surprising peace in the middle of the storm? Or strength to just get up and tackle the day? And then it dawned on me. Do you know what they were saying? What were they saying? When I'm depressed, I don't get revelation. Until they realize what? He's with, there's difference. Do you acknowledge his strength to get through your depression? Oh, absolutely. There are days I wouldn't even get out of bed if I didn't think he was helping me. Do you see the irony? I don't get revelation, and yet I have courage to do what I know I wouldn't be able to do any other way. Do you see what I was trying to point out to them? You get revelation all the time. Even in the middle of your depression, these may not be coming because the receptors may not be getting those messages, but it doesn't mean he's not with you. If you begin to realize all the ways he's with me, I realize I've never not had the Holy Ghost in the middle of my depression, but I just need to understand how to find him. Any, any other comments? Hannah? So, okay, so this is um, pretty, I'm going to keep it short as much as I can because we don't have a lot of time, but um, I, I really like how amazing that there's so much um, that can impact you, not just the mind, but the heart itself. So recently, like obviously I just finished my semester from school. It was pretty rough, especially I took this one class, which is math, and I your first college class was math. Come on, Hannah. Especially because like this year, I found out I had ADHD, and it's like hardly explains so much of like how my brain functions. Because like all the numbers and the equation itself, I can't focus at all. And I had a really not like depressing, but like a really struggling hard time with myself, especially with my exams. They went completely horrible and my grade was going so well and I was feeling so stressed out because I was like oh my gosh I'm not gonna get this scholarship that I have that I've been wanting to to continue with my semesters um I'm gonna fail this class and I'm gonna have to retake it again why is my mind like this I'm so stupid like I had so much negativity then the final exam came in just two weeks ago I, yeah two weeks ago I took it and I had to study for a whole week and I was so lost. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna fail this. This is gonna go so bad. And I was like, okay, but you know what? I'm gonna try my very best. I'm gonna take how I can do my very best by taking one step at a time, just focus on one chapter and each per week. And then I remember that uh, the difference that week was that uh, I think it was due to a lesson that we learned about asking God and like, even if it's like the most smallest things or something that means so much to you and even though my mind and like the equations itself i suck at it i have the courage to just try my very best as much as i can and hope for the best out of it 
And so I prayed to God before studying each each of the day. And then on Monday was the day of the test. I was freaking out. I was also running a bit late, so I was really stressed out. And as soon as I sat down, I was like, you know what? I need to do a small little prayer, even though this is awkward around all of like, So I did a prayer and I was like, God, I, you know how much I've been struggling with this uh, class. And I just need to get this, like, at least to a B minus. Just give me a B minus. Give me a C. Like, even a C is perfect. I don't care. Just let me pass this class and just boost my confidence. And I know that I'm going to do great. So I took the test. I thought I did it horribly, but I was like, you know what, whatever. And then I just relaxed. I had fun. And just right now, I just got posted on the grades. And I got 73 out of 100. I'm so happy. And my grades especially a B minus. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart. Thank you, God. I was like, you know what? It boosted my confidence all the way, even though I'm not the smartest in the class. It's incredible. I see his hand. I see him with me. I recognize that he was with me. He calmed me down. He lifted me up. Still wasn't easy. He didn't make it easy. He didn't all of a sudden change my brain so I could understand math. But he was there holding me up. Now, tell me what that means. Do you see? We're so hard on ourselves and say, he doesn't speak to me. Until you start to realize all of the different ways he has been speaking to you. And then you realize he's always been there. He's always been there. Strength, comfort, courage, confidence, a desire to do good, change. Let me, give you, let me just give you one more. We don't, we, we'll have to stop. But let me give you one more. Turn with me to first Nephi, second Nephi chapter 31, verse 17. And I know there's a lot of baggage to this because I know you don't think you're perfect. But remember, the goal was never be perfection. The goal was never perfection. The goal was to be what? What does the Holy Ghost do when he comes into your life? What's the manifestation at the end of verse 17? Just a subtle little hint there. But what does the Holy Ghost do? Second Nephi 31, 17. What does the Holy Ghost do at the very end? You open up the gate, you get the Holy Ghost, and He... Keep going. Yep, test the role of the... That's good, but I want to point out He cleanses. The Holy Ghost cleanses. I know you're hard on yourself, but I wonder how many times you felt clean. The goal was never to be perfect. The goal was to be clean. And that's what he does. He cleanses you. And every single time you felt clean, not perfect, but clean, it's because the Holy Ghost is with you. I hope you recognize those moments of your life where you've said, hey, I'm clean. I'm working really hard. I'm trying really hard. And the Lord recognizes it and I feel clean. Guess what? The Holy Ghost is with you. He has been with you. 
because he cleanses. One of the great manifestations is I'm not perfect. I make lots of mistakes, but I feel clean. I hope that's a common occurrence in your life. I feel clean. You have revelation. God is with you. He is speaking to you. Now, next week, we're going to come back and we're going to take this list and we'll do that same thing. And when you realize how many different ways, especially right about here, we're going to put one on the board and I'm going to get on my soapbox because I get really animated when I talk about it. I am going to convince you that he is with you constantly in your mind and you don't even realize it. I leave you tonight with my testimony. I never realized how much Heavenly Father loves me until I became a father. I would never let any of my children in pain and walk away. I would never turn them away. My children get a phone call, a text. Every single time I know they're in pain. I will go travel and be with them. And if I'm that way and I'm an immortal and I'm a mortal imperfect person, I know that your heavenly Father is always with you. And one of the ways he manifests himself isn't through your mind. It's through your heart. And if you begin to recognize all of the ways he's with you, two things are going to happen. Number one, your confidence will grow. And number two, the more you recognize he's speaking to you, the more you invite him to come back. When you feel that manifestation of strength, thank him. Acknowledge him for being with you. When you see confidence growing, when all of a sudden there's a manifestation of courage, when all of a sudden you feel peace and comfort or a desire to do good, when you begin to say, oh my goodness, these are happening to me all the time, acknowledge him in it and invite more and let your confidence grow. It is my witness that he is constantly with you. And next week, we will take a look at manifestations to our minds. And you will see that he is speaking to you all the time. You are his child and he has not forgotten you. He is very involved in your life. He knows when you're in pain. He knows when you're hurting. He knows when you're scared. And he comes to be with his child. Of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.